Well, good morning. <laughs> hey, if you're a guest, hey, we're so glad you're here. Those of you watching online, hey, we're glad you're tuned in as well and just <laughs> glad you all fought the cold to make it here uh, this morning. I thought I would take another opportunity uh, just to share with you how the Thrive campaign shaped up. Uh, I shared it last week as well, but since there were only like six of you here, Thought it might be a good idea to share it again. Um, but church, I want you to know, uh, we, we, we had a campaign to, to raise $40,000 on top of our regular um, you know, budget uh, for December, the general fund. And uh, we ended up bringing in over $80,000 just for that campaign. So I think that's something we can certainly celebrate. And it, and what I'm being told is money is actually still uh, kind of being processed. And so that number is very potentially going to even go up. Um, but church, that just says something about this church. It was our highest giving month uh, in our church's history by like over like $50,000. I mean, it was a miraculous month. You were a part of that. Uh, the staff was challenged to be a part of that. And look what happens when we come together, man. God worked through this church. And that's going to put us in, on, in good footing so we can continue doing the ministry we're used to doing around here and continue supporting our mission partners across the world. And that's because of you. It's investing in God's kingdom so God's kingdom can grow and uh, can spread across the world, church. So just thank you so much. I would throw this out there. Those of you maybe who gave for the first time or, you know, maybe you, you, you uh, just started giving, uh, consider something as we enter into the new year, maybe giving on a more consistent basis, becoming a more consistent uh, giver. It's something you could pray for. Um, God, what could I give more consistently? Maybe on a monthly um, basis, because that's something the Bible says God will bless his kingdom with, but he also says he'll bless you um, by um, when, you, when you sacrificially give um, for his kingdom purposes. So that's something I want to challenge you as we enter into the new year, but ultimately I hope what you're hearing is church, Thank you. <laughs> it's exciting to be a part uh, of a church that uh, is generous um, to the Lord. Well, hey, last week we, uh, we kicked off a new series called Count On It. Um, and, and just to recap uh, what the series is all about, I said, just like you came in here uh, this morning and sat down in your chair, I didn't see any of you examining your chair to make sure it was going to hold you up. You just kind of sat down. You just kind of trusted your chair was going to hold you up, right? In a, in a sense, that's faith, right? You, you didn't question it, but you, you trusted that your seat was going to hold you up. In the same way, the promises of God are like that in our life. We can sit in them. We can rest in them. We can trust that they're going to hold us up because God is faithful, okay? But I said, um, it, it, just because God has given us these promises, it doesn't mean we're actually experiencing these promises. In fact, I'm convinced that a lot of Christians aren't experiencing the promises that God gives us in his word. And I compared it to, you know, going to a gas station with a friend, and this friend told me about it. It was like this Arnold Palmer-type tea drink. He wanted me to, said, you got to try it. And I bought it, and I opened it up, and I took a sip, and it was disgusting, okay? But that, that, that was because of me. I, I didn't do something that was right there on the label. What did the label say I needed to do? You need to shake well. You got to shake it up. I needed to shake this thing up, so I did. And once I shook it up, then I could taste the sugar. Then I could taste the lemon. I could taste what this drink was all about. And I'm saying, as we go into 2022, I'm convinced some of us need to shake it up a little bit. We need to shake our Christian life up so that we can experience the promises 
that God has for each and every one of us. The Bible says every promise is yes in Jesus Christ. If you have Christ and you've invited Christ in your life, every promise of God's word is yours. And it's something you need to claim and step into. But the promises do come with conditions. And so that's what this series is about. We're going to be looking at these promises God gives us in his word with the hope that as we begin this new year, we're going to experience all that God wants for our lives. Now, I bet some of you come in here today with some area of your life that feels like it's out of your control. I bet just about all of us come in here with something. If we were to think about it, something that feels like it's out of our control. And maybe that it feels very overwhelming for you. I, I read a story this past week about a mom who came home uh, to uh, her three kids, and she walks in, and her kids were being unusually quiet, and usually that's a sign, right? Something's going on. And she found her kids sitting in a circle, playing with something in the middle of the circle. So now curious, she walks over, and she finds that her kids, her three kids have three skunks in the middle of this circle. And so the mom yells, kids, run! And that's when each child picks up a skunk and runs in the opposite direction. (laughs) The mom then, terrified, yells again at her kids, now scaring her kids, who squeeze the skunk. And we all know skunks don't like to be squeezed. Maybe life, for some of us, feels a little bit like that, out of our control. Out of our control. I bet for some of us it's a financial situation this morning and, and, and expenses have come in or something has happened. And you're like, I don't know how I'm going to take care of that. I don't know how we're going to cover that. I don't know how we're going to deal with that. It feels like it's outside of your control. Maybe for some of you it's a relational issue. Uh, maybe it's with, um, you know, it's, it's a marriage thing. And um, you're like, this, this marriage right now it just feels like it's a little bit out of my control. Maybe, it's, maybe it is your kids. Maybe you've got some kids who are acting up or you've got, some, you've, got a, you've, got a, you've got a prodigal or you just have some children who are challenging you right now and you're having to say, Holy Spirit, activate, activate. Anybody else? <laughs> Sometimes it's our kids. Maybe it's with a, a coworker, a neighbor, you name it. Maybe you, someone's not offering forgiveness to you even though you've asked for it, or maybe someone's asking you to forgive them and you just can't get your heart to do it. It seems like it's outside of your, your control. Maybe for some of us it's a work issue, a job security thing. It just feels like it's outside of your control. There's so many things in life, friends, a health crisis, that feel like they are outside of our control. And when things feel like they're outside of our control, it's easy to feel really overwhelmed. And so this morning, I want us to look at somebody in the Bible who had a lot of things that were outside of his control, and it must have felt very overwhelming. And the person I'm talking about is Joshua. Okay, Joshua, if you don't know, he was the person that God used to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And just to back up, you know, Moses brought the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and they find themselves in the wilderness, right? God parts the Red Sea, Israel comes through, they're in the wilderness, but the Israelites rebel against God, and they grumble, and they complain, saying, why did you bring us out here to die? We'd rather go back into slavery, at least where we had some meat to eat. 
And so God says, fine, you're going to wander in the desert for 40 years, and it's only going to be those 20 years younger who are going to make it in to the, to the, to the land I've promised them. And so um, this is the, the wilderness wandering that Israel experiences, but it's in that time that Moses is going to die, and Joshua is going to step into that leadership position. And I want you to think about that for a second. The, the pressure of stepping into that kind of leadership position. You know, it's, it's, it, 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 it's one thing when you're, when you're Moses' right-hand man. But it's another thing when you actually step into a leadership position and now you feel the weight, you feel the mantle of having everyone look at you to lead them. And Joshua is feeling that pressure. I'm sure it felt very overwhelming. You couple that with what did God charge them to do? He says, I want you to take the people across the Jordan River. The Jordan River is an uncrossable river. And sometimes when we think of Israel, we think of them as being this small group of people. Maybe in your mind you think of them as being like a, a, a small nomadic tribe. That is not the case. This was a nation you look at the, uh, the numbers that we get from the book of Numbers and the Levites and just the, 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 the oldest uh, firstborn uh, sons, uh, tw- numbering 20,000. You put that all together and the estimates are that the, the, the Israelites numbered over 2 million people in the wilderness before they went into the promised land. And uh, friend, that's, like, that's over 20 times the size of Brooklyn Park. And here Joshua is supposed to lead them across an uncrossable river, men, women, children, the elderly, that had to have felt a little outside of his control. And it had to have felt a little overwhelming. And, but, but, but once they get across the river, they've made it, right? No. Now they're going to have to face an enemy. They're, they're going to have to face Jericho and the people who live in the promised land. Um, we get a glimpse of what those people were like uh, when uh, initially when, uh, when the spies went out to, to, to see who their opponents were. They came back to Israel. And here's what the spies said. We read this in Numbers 13. It said, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So they're going to have to go in there, cross this uncrossable river, and then they're going to have to face giants. Do you think that this felt a little outside of Joshua's control? Do you think he felt a little overwhelmed by what God had called him into? Okay, but this is the context in which God's going to give us the promise we're going to look at today. And this is the promise God gives to Joshua. This is Joshua 1.9. He says, have I not commanded you? And I want to just stop there for a second. I love that. I love that God's saying, have I not commanded you? God is, he, he's not coming around saying, uh, would you please consider this promise for your life? Uh, would you maybe Think about this promise for your life. I love that God's like, I want you to be confident in this promise I'm giving your life. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. He says this because he does not want Joshua to give up 
on the task at hand. And here's the promise. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's the promise we have. God will be with us wherever we go. And the context here is that he's going to be with us and he's going to be for us. You know, many years ago, um, I was working, you know, at a different church and I was um, not making a lot of money. It certainly wasn't enough money to cover all of our bills that we had. Danielle primarily made um, the money that covered um, the mortgage payment and things like that. Um, two little kids at the time, two, three years old. I, uh, when Danielle gets the news that she's being laid off. And things felt very outside of our control. Like, what are we going to do? I don't make enough to cover the bills. And it's moments like that when you face, you're like, what, what are we going to do? Because I, I can't, we can't force something to happen. We don't have control over this situation. It was a very overwhelming situation. But what we did have was we had this promise that the Lord would be with us wherever we went. You know, Jesus said, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And so what I want us to think about this morning is two aspects of God's character, why this is good news for us, that God is present with us. And the first thing I want us to think about is this, and maybe we need a reminder of this morning, we need to be reminded that God is good. God is a good God. You know, and even as I was working on this message this week, I started to think about how my view of God's goodness can get a little polluted at times. And the hurts that I experience in the world and the hurts that I experience from other people, I have a tendency to project those off on God. I want you to think about it for a second. Think about like a stream of water that's clean and pure and you drink from it. But then all of a sudden you find people are bathing in it and animals are coming in into it and doing who knows what. Are you going to drink out of that water? Probably not. And I was thinking, you know, that's one of the things the enemy wants to do in our life. He wants to get into your head and get you to start doubting the goodness of God. And he does that by just kind of tainting it a little bit. Getting you just to pro project things on God that aren't actually true of him. But the Bible teaches us that God is holy. He is set apart. He is not of this world. The evil that we see in other people is not true of him. In fact, uh, in 1 John 1, 5, John says this. He says, this is the message we have heard from Jesus. He's talking about Jesus here. And declare to you, this is part of Jesus' message to the disciples. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. There isn't a sprinkle of evil in God. He is pure goodness. We need to be reminded of that, friends. God is pure goodness. James 1.13 says, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. There's nothing in God to be tempted by evil. We have a sin nature, so it's easy for us to be tempted. There's nothing evil in God that he could be tempted by. He is holy. He is set apart. He is pure goodness. 
And sometimes we might wonder, did, did God create evil? Is that why evil's in the world, though? Did God have to create evil? And, and actually, no, God didn't create evil. What evil is, it's the absence of God's goodness. And so what God did is he created free will creatures, human beings, but also angelic beings, who rebelled against living out the character of God. And that's why we have evil. And that's what brought evil into the world. God didn't create it. It was free will choosing not to line up with the goodness of God. And that, by the way, affected the world. Sin affected the world. That's why we have things like hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes. It's because the world has been affected by People's sin. Uh, that's why uh, Paul says in Romans 8 that the world is groaning, longing to be restored. And so we experience that in this life, don't we? We experience those things. But it's important for us to remember those things aren't true of God. God is pure goodness. And here's the good news. He wants to be good to you. He wants to aim and direct his goodness at you. So I've, I've used this illustration before, um, the illustration of the Sour Patch Kids, because this is like my favorite candy. And since I'm going to use this illustration again, I thought I'll just get the, get the party pack, you know, go big. But here's the reality, friends. I can tell you everything that is uh, in these Sour Patch Kids. Let me read the ingredients for you. First ingredient, sugar. Second ingredient, invert sugar. <laughs> it's just sugar again. Three, corn syrup, which as we all know is sugar. And then there's like, Modified cornstarch, and it says less than 2% of different things that I can't pronounce, okay? So mostly sugar. I can tell you everything there is to know about a Sour Patch Kid, but until you, have, have you ever had a Sour Patch Kid? It sticks with you, right? Until you take, look how big these suckers come now. It's going to take me a second here. But this is the price I'm willing to take to do this illustration. Until I take a Sour Patch Kid and I eat it. Mmm. What's the emerald says? Bam. I got sugar. Or something sour in there too. Man, until you taste a Sour Patch Kid and all the flavors that come with it, you don't know Sour Patch Kids. I can tell you about the ingredients. Sour Patch Kids all day long, but until you actually taste... A Sour Patch Kid, you don't know Sour Patch Kids. Psalm 34, 8 says what? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you believe that for your life? Do you believe that the Lord wants to be good to you? He doesn't want you just to know about his goodness. He wants you to experience his goodness. In your life. Second thing I want us to think about, though, 
He's not just good. He's also all-powerful. He's an all-powerful God. You know, if he just had good intentions for our life and was good towards us, it really wouldn't matter all that much. That's great. But here's the reality. He can do something about it. Whatever that problem is, whatever that situation is, whatever that thing that's outside of your control, he doesn't just have good intentions for your life. He actually has the power to change it and to do something. Um, philosophers and theologians have, have, have thrown out this question before. Is there a stone? Could God create a stone so big that he couldn't lift it? You ever heard that question? Kind of this philosophical question. It kind of maybe a silly question, but it gets us thinking, like, could God create something so big that he himself couldn't lift it? And my answer, what I would tell you, is no. Because God would just create another stone, and he would lift it. He'd create a bigger stone, and he would lift it. He'd create a bigger stone, and then he would lift it. And that process would go on for all eternity. Because God's power, here's what we need to get our minds around. It's infinite. The reason you and I think in... Uh, with limitations is because we're created beings who have limitations, but God doesn't. God's power is infinite. I love when he shows up to Abraham. Abraham's older in age. The Bible says elsewhere that he and Sarah were pretty much dead. <laughs> that's, not, not, that's what the Bible says. And God shows up and says, through you, Abraham, I'm going to give you a son and this son is going to become the, eventually the nation of Israel. And, and, and Abraham must have had some kind of look, some kind of skeptical look on his face. He must have seemed doubtful because God says this to him next. He asks him this, um, this question. Abraham, is anything too hard for the Lord? By the way, those of you who remember our Names of God series, it's actually Yahweh here. Is anything too hard for Yahweh, Abraham? And of course, the answer is no. There's nothing too hard. There's nothing that's impossible for me to do for your life, Abraham. When God leads the Israelites through Joshua to, to the Jordan River, Joshua's not going to build a bridge. Or tell the people to go create a dam somewhere so they can get across. They're going to wait on the Lord, and the Lord is going to somehow make this uncrossable river crossable. And he's going to part it, and the people are going to walk through on the other side. And when the people get to Jericho, they're going to find a fortified city there. And Joshua's not going to say, take out your weapons, start chipping away at the walls of this fortified city that's never going to be defeated in our own strength. God tells him to march around Jericho and then brings the walls down. It's God who does the impossible. Paul says in Ephesians 3.20, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. I want to ask you a question, church. Have you stopped dreaming what God could do in your life? I'm a dreamer, and I like to dream, and I have big dreams, but something God shows up sometimes and says to me is, Brent, you're never going to outdream me. My dreams are always going to be bigger than your dreams. You can't even wrap your mind around what I am capable of. 
And I'm telling us, God wants to do more than we can ask. He wants to do more than we can imagine. So that yesterday's impossibilities will become today's miracles. This is a God who says, is anything too hard for me to do in your life? So what do we do, okay? You're facing that situation. It's out of your control. You want it to change, and it's not changing. This was many years ago. My son was probably about six. I, um, somebody bought him a Lego set. And uh, this Lego set was beyond his abilities as a six-year-old. It was made more for, like, teenagers or adults. The booklet was actually, I mean, it wasn't like an instruction panel. It was like a book, okay? It was like some kind of futuristic car. But he was really excited to put this thing together. Um, And so one day he comes into my room, and he's just like, Dad, Dad, I need your help. I'm trying to put this Lego set together, uh, but I don't don't know how. And So I walk into the room. And he's been trying to put Legos together, but he's not following the directions. I mean, he can barely read at this point. And, and you remember, have you ever done Legos, especially those flat pieces that you put together? They are so hard to undo once you put them together. I mean, we spent 45 minutes just trying to get our fingernails in those feet and split them apart. And isn't life often like that? Like when we try to do things in our own street, we end up making like a bigger mess out of things. But here's the thing, I'm sitting there, and Logan keeps trying to put this Lego set, and I'm just like, I'm, I'm waiting, and I'm sitting there, and he's still putting wrong pieces together, and I'm watching, I'm present. And I'm just like, <clears throat> <clears throat> just waiting. And then finally, like, in, a, in, in, a, in like a posture of defeat, he's just like, okay, Dad. He lets go of the pieces, and he lets dad take over. And so dad starts putting the base pieces. We start with step one, putting it together. Eventually, I get something going. Now I start inviting him into the process, and he starts putting some pieces on as well. And eventually, we're able to build this Lego set. But the only reason that Lego set got built was for one reason. Logan was willing to let go and let dad take over. And I wonder if some of us today are facing a situation and the reason we're not seeing anything happen and the reason we're not seeing God move is because God is sitting there waiting for you going, when are you going to let go and let God? Friends, I'm not talking about doing anything. This This is a posture in our heart that I am telling you God is waiting for some of you to take up. To say, God, I am willing to let go of the situation. And I'm not going to give you 75% of the situation. I'm not going to give you 90% of the situation. God, I'm going to give you 110% of my situation, and I'm going to let go. And I'm going to let you take over. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, cast all your anxiety, cast all your problems on him. Because he cares for you. I told you when Danielle got laid off, we were in this place where it was way out of our control. We, we didn't know what to do. I said, God, we, we don't have any other choice. It's, <laughs> it's on you now. We're going to let go and we're going to let God. And uh, government helped us out a little bit. 
still wasn't enough to cover all our bills. Danielle got a severance check, and every month we watched that severance check dwindle. Less and less and less every month. And we're sitting there watching it right out. Okay, God, we're going to let go. We're going to let you. This is on you. With just a few months of that severance check left, I get a call. A church called Edinburgh Church wants me to consider being their next lead pastor. And I go through the process. And I'm telling you, friends, the month her severance check ran out, I received my first paycheck from Edinburgh. And I believe it goes back to one thing, a posture in our hearts saying, God, we're not going to try to force anything in our own strength. We're not going to try to cross rivers. We're not going to try to knock down fortresses in our own strength. We're going to let go and we're going to see what you can do. What's that situation in your life? Maybe today you're willing to say, okay, it's time to let go and it's, it's time to let God who is good, pure goodness, who's all-powerful and can do something about your situation. Do you believe that, that he can do something about your situation? For some of you, he's waiting. It's time to give it over to him. Let go. Let God. And watch your life start to change. I'm telling you, friends. Well, we're going to end this message with um, a time for communion. Uh, Did everyone grab a communion cup? If you didn't, you can raise your hand. We have people in the back. They'll bring you one. If you didn't get one on your way in, just raise your hand. They're coming your way. By the way, it's non-alcoholic, and um, the way for this thing is is gluten-free, for those of you wondering. I love that we call it communion because that's what it is. It's communing with the Lord and it's communing with each other. Jesus invites us into his presence so that we can come into his presence, friends. And if we're struggling to have faith today, if we're struggling to believe that anything is possible for God, because I know when you're in the midst of it, man, it can be so hard to trust that. It can be so hard to believe that change is actually going to happen. If you're needing some faith today, that's why we come to the table. That's why we do this thing, communion. God wants to give us himself to fill us up with supernatural faith today. He wants to fill us up with himself. He wants to fill us up with his spirit. So this is a time for us just to quiet our hearts and say, Jesus, we love you. Thank you that you were willing to let go and let God. Isn't that what Jesus modeled for us when he let go of his life? letting himself be the sacrifice for our sin on the cross. He said, God, I'm willing to let go of my life. But what did God do? He raised him three days later and then seated him at his right hand, Lord and King of all. And there's power when we let go and let God. Jesus is our model of this. And friends, he did it so that we could come into the company of God who wants to fight for you. That's what I'm trying to say today. You got a God who wants to fight for you, but we do it through Christ. So we come to this table and we take 
the wafer. You just peel that top layer. It's harder than that Lego set sometimes getting this thing off. Hopefully you all made it. But we take that wafer. Represents the body of Christ broken for you and me so that we could have the forgiveness of sin. Come into the presence of God. Have a God who's for us and not against us. We say thank you, Jesus, as we eat. And then we're going to peel back that second layer. This is the grape juice that represents the blood of Christ shed for us so that we could be cleansed from all unrighteousness. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I wonder if today some of us need to let go of some sin in our life and let God take it for us on the cross and cleanse us from it. We can confess that to Jesus right now. We can let go of that. And he wants to come into your life now and fill you afresh, clean, a clean slate. Let him come in and commune with you. We say thank you, Jesus, for your blood. I know some of us come in here today, Lord, and there's some things we need to turn over to you. I just, I have faith that those who do that, they're going to see you move. Might not be this week. It might not be this month. It might not even be this year, but we will see you move. You are waiting for that posture in our heart. So breathe faith into us this morning, Lord, because you are here with us. Your presence is here with us. We can't muster that up in our own strength. Can't muster up the faith we need, but your spirit can breathe faith into us. So breathe faith into this church. So as you wait on us, we can turn over whatever it is we need to you and see you move in our lives because you are good and there's nothing that you can't do. Lord, thank you that you love people like us and have made a way for us to come into your presence. Thank you that you're for us and not against us. Thank you that you're a God who will fight our battles for us. We give you, not 70%, not 90%. We give you 110%, Lord. And now we are excited to see what you do with it. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen.